You're listening to Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Welcome back to Fathoms, everybody. This is the season finale. What? (laughs) Of season, season finale of season three, Q&A. One of our favorite episodes to record and obviously one of your favorites to listen to because our, Q- our Q&A season finales are just by far the most listened to episodes out there. It's which hard. I'm it's weird. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, either also, we do an amazing job with these Q&A episodes or it's an indictment on every other episode. <laughs> it, yeah, that feels like one of those dichotomies that I usually bring in that isn't quite helpful uh it's probably a mixture of those and seven other things right (laughs) also our first ever episode is Mm. up there as well which makes no sense like what Mm. to expect it's all down down i I think that's i could be wrong but i think it's like that it's your first book you write your first album like the years and years of effort you've put into thinking and then you finally did it and then everything else is just like, oh, that's your second thing? (laughs) That's your second thing. (laughs) I can't believe you say this. Literally, as we record this, (laughs) Creek has the first single of a second album out right today. And you you dropped that like a lead balloon, Abram. (laughs) It's all downhill from here, Creek. Yeah. 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 So uh, when this comes out, this will have been out about seven six days what happened streaming on all platforms check it out and there is more that's music that's the to song come. title not, not a question yeah yeah <laughs> what happens when did it's i actually make a single what it's happened? actually <laughs> meant to be a question and a statement wrapped up in one. Oh, so. you would oh, duh mind blown duh <clears throat> so per usual with these episodes we like to do things in a few different acts so first act is going to be, let's talk about our season. Uh, what did we learn? What happened? <laughs> Literally, what happened? <laughs> Cue the music. Drew, go for it. Oh, boy. So season three story. You know, I think it's interesting to think that this is our third season. So we've yeah. done this a few times and it right. <laughs> there seem to be a few recurring lessons that we can't seem to learn. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first is the way in which we envision and conceptualize the theme for the season. Rarely does it seem to end up that way. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's a complicated endeavor, I think. And yeah. conversations mm. go in unique ways and, and, Three yeah. people that are working full time. Two of them have families. Mm-hmm. Well, it's you have a family to... too, Greek. Just well, not the same way we do. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You're a funk. Need to change their diapers though. <laughs> Yet. Um, anyways, yeah, I, I would. I would say um, I was really. I am and was really excited about the theme of this mm-hmm. this season. I think it it quickly. I realized that. I bit off more. I think we bit off more than we could chew in some regards. Just like, wow, story is so big, mm-hmm. yeah, and so complex. It's it's really hard to um, be able to nail down mm-hmm. without having specific stories in front of us. <laughs> oh my goodness! 
That's staying in. Um, <laughs> yes, it sure is. <laughs> I think my eyes came halfway out on that one. You're like a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, your eyes popped out of your head. It's the uh, allergy season. Yeah. We've talked about in the past our favorite episodes, but I'd rather go the route of... Oh. Least what? favorite? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who did we have on that we liked the least? Yeah, yeah. Um, Definitely Mario. I mean, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> that, that jerk. <laughs> I'm sick of that guy. The velvet hammer. Um, the velvet hammer. Yes. Uh, kidding, so which Mario. which episode? <laughs> which episode was the most surprising to you? Oh, Ooh, okay, okay. That's a I'm good looking. Question. I'm looking back, and I th- I think the one that comes to mind is uh, it's like riding a bike with TJ, TJ Daw. Yeah. That's the one that came to my mind, too. Yeah, the one I wasn't a part of. Thanks, guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) That That was was a great episode. Yeah, I just remember in the moment, like, oh, ooh, ah. And those things were happening in my (laughs) mind over and over. (laughs) Yeah. I think I was surprised distinctly by our conversation with our good friend Lee Fields. Mm. Mm. Uh, not because I was surprised by Lee's brilliance, because that Obviously. has been proven over and over again. Uh, love you, Lee. But uh, I think the way the the direction that conversation went was a profound surprise. I think mm. when we talked about uh, fiction, memoir, and nonfiction, I think mm. the we were that was one of those episodes where we were clearly processing it as we went along and, and which can be terrifying, but I also think it was a really profound conversation. Just because I have to be different because there's no way I'd say TJ as well, but plus you're not going to give another four that much credit. Are you (laughs) Wagner? I know Uh we, we, we recorded yeah. him way even like before we decided. Like six years ago, before we even started the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, uh, and I've listened back to that one a few times, and it's just, I really, I mean, he's just a genuinely great character. He um, is for sure a great character. Yeah, and got some good stuff. And then especially just having David Toflon on, as well as Dr. Yep. B, both of whom mm-hmm, are yeah. my friends and my roommate. Like, it's just, I'm realizing how lucky and hashtag blessed I am <laughs> to have <laughs> such insanely wise, delightful people within arm's reach. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yes. I enjoyed great... talking about our Enneagram traps mm-hmm. too. No one can see that you're pointing to your shoulders right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> but we can. Well, like I say, I'm the funniest person I know, so most of my humor is for myself. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. Just wait till our "Would You Rather" segment. We'll see. Okay, um, man. We had. I'm looking through the list on my phone of all of our guests, and we we just had some really good, mm-hmm. varied guests, which I think, in some ways, accomplished <laughs> the diversity of stories. You know that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Probably probably didn't necessarily intentionally mean to do that but in, in it really did work out that way i had to have beatrice on mm-hmm. ian morgan cron mario renee rosario i mean we heard just some profound wisdom and got to hear the stories behind some really smart yeah enneagram folk so that was that yeah. was fun yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's probably some of my favorite stuff to hear about. You know, you, you see these, you read these authors, but then you actually get to hear their story 
like where where their uh, content's actually coming from. You kind of get more yeah. context for it, and it just kind of brings it a little bit more to life. I think that was yeah. really fun to to hear from the real life person behind the the, the lots of piece of pa- pieces of paper I'm holding in my hand. You know, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, the, that means a book. Yeah, the book. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys. Uh, that was a fun recap, and I even you know had forgotten about some things that we had done over the yeah. course of the season. Um, mm. So it's always good to be reminded in those ways. But I'm curious, what lessons are you taking with you from this season personally? Actually, I think for me, it wasn't anything necessarily specific. It was kind of the conversation leading up to the conversation that we had with my housemate of mm. to drop oh, yeah. or not. Yeah, right? because it made me actually articulate what I meant by that mm. um, because it's not just dropping but it's you also have to pick up as well sure um, yeah it's the it's the including into the whole journey and just kind of messing around in that area and then we just talked to the art of growth guys right and we talked about that as well of you have to include it like you can't you can't love the part or you can't you can't heal the part that you hate so just a reiteration and especially in our current climate, both politically and otherwise. I mean, that's, it's just happening left and right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Trying to distance yourself from the stories you don't like. It is, I think part of our naivete, naivete (laughs) at the beginning of the season, I think conceptually we can get around these ideas of stories that we need to drop stories that we need to live out. I think I underestimated the power at which these stories do have a hold of us and right. the extent to which engaging in a conversation about story in the Enneagram is really like a fish describing water, right? It's so yeah. difficult to have enough distance and perspective mm-hmm. to be able to talk with that level of kind of insight and objectivity because the stories are so powerful, right? Mm-hmm. I think that the narratives that the narrative scripts that kind of are baked into our Enneagram type structure are so powerful. I think Mm -hmm. it, which sounds silly for a guy and you you guys as well, who have done a ton of work with the Enneagram, studying it, training in schools, using it in our, in our work, but it's just a constant reminder of how powerful these things are. Yeah. Um, I, I think maybe one of the things that comes up for me in the moment is, is that, Depending, you know, obviously there's so many different variations on how to use the Enneagram in different schools and different perspectives. Uh, people that kind of narrow in on certain parts that say this is the important aspect or no, this is the important thing. Uh, and it's, I think, because we've drawn from a wide variety of stories and uh, narratives of, of people this season, it was it was interesting to notice how... It's maybe it's not really that there is a better better way or certain narratives or certain uh, stories that are better than other ones uh, or ways to tell. But <laughs> I'm pouring milk right now uh, for my son. More okay, more milk. More, um, buddy. That's good. This is a great representation of what the season looked like. Yes. Just like multitasking and uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I was just saying that I think. Transformation is still happening uh, no matter which uh, version of the Enneagram gets highlighted, mm-hmm. uh, which is really helpful and really uh, important to remember and recognize, I think, you know, depending depending on, because I think we can get, we can, we can turn it into, 
this versus that or us versus them. And there's a question that is coming that I was going to use this for, but I think it's helpful now still. Uh, if you've heard of nonviolent communication, one of the one of the teachings within that is that the guy talks about value judgments and moral judgments. Uh, so the difference is uh, you think differently about this same topic or this idea. And I think this way about this, and they're both valued for who, each person that has, uh, you know, got their own belovedness or uniqueness or worth and value just as they are. But the distinction is when you say my way is the right way and then I moralize my you know, my take on, on on something. So value judgments versus moral judgments. So yeah, just 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 that uh, each of these takes on the Enneagram are valued, you know, mm-hmm. just as important. Yeah. Uh, so, hey. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lindsay, what did you learn during this season? <laughs> well, okay, so remind me, this season is, you guys are focusing on stories, right? Mm-hmm. Because with COVID time, I'm like, was that last season? Was that this sure. season? Like everything mm, blends together. True. For us um, as well, Lindsay. So Yeah. Well, I'm going through Mario's uh, training right now. And this is something we talk a lot about, the stories that we tell ourselves. So I just, I really loved, I kind of I think along the lines of what you were saying, Abram, about there's all these different schools of thought. And for some reason, it can get really territorial um, and egotistical. And I think yeah. just remembering to look someone in the eye and say, there's a story here. Mm. There's a story here. And um, it can just relieve so much of that constricting that we do around our own ideas and our own commitments. You know, so mm. I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's great. Good. So we yeah, so we do have Lindsay Marks on, by the way. And uh, Lindsay, you were on last season, or were, it was last season, right? Yeah, she popped on. It was with Annie Downs uh, when we when we interviewed her. Yeah, that um, was a blast. Yeah, and didn't you? Did you show up one other time in season two? I don't remember. Nope, just once. This nope, is my second once. time. Okay, great. Well, uh, for those back. of you, yeah, for those of you, can, Lindsay, can you give a quick just who are you? What do you do for those of our listeners who haven't heard you before? Yeah. Um, so my name's Lindsay Marks and I am doing Enneagram work in the state of Michigan, the Southwest part of Michigan. And I hold certification through Claire Lowridge with her program that blends Enneagram spirituality with Harmony Triads Wisdom. And then I'm working on my certification with Mario Socorro's Awareness to Action program right now. So I'm excited to be able to just put these different tools in my bag and Mm -hmm. kind of be able to be present to whoever is seeking transformation and and meet them where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. That's cool. Um, Yeah. All of us are huge fans of Lindsay. So if you have any chance to ever encounter her uh, in any form, you should. So, oh, thank just, you. <laughs> yes. All right. So we're going to move into Q&A section. Um, several of you have sent in questions via SpeakPipe or Instagram. And so here's our first question from Vicki. Hello, Drew Creek and Abram. My name is Vicki, and I was wondering if y'all could talk a bit about what is an Enneagram practice. I understand practice kind of in a different venue of Christian living 
and how to grow and become more like Christ. And so whenever you talk about Enneagram practice, I'm like, this is weird. I don't know what you mean. I assume it's just growing in self-awareness of how the Enneagram can help help me become a healthier human being. If that's all it is, awesome. But if not, if you could chat about it for a little bit, that would be excellent. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for the podcast and for being you. No, I'd be interested to hear Lindsay's take on this, given what, you know, the type of work and training she's done, mm-hmm. you know, with Claire on spirituality and the Enneagram. So I'd love to know what you think about that. Yeah, actually, when I encountered the Enneagram, this was my question too. I was like, this stuff is great, but how, how do I do this in mm-hmm. my daily life? And so, and I also identify as Christian. And so I really resonate with this question a lot. I think that finding a space where we can have practices, you know, that that point us toward our truest self is a huge part of this work. So for me, I really love um, the spiritual rhythms of the Enneagram. It's a workbook and it's, it is full of practices. And one of them is the, the stop practice. And part of that practice is the O is for open. So there's a practice of opening to my head center and seeing what the data is telling me. What are mm-hmm. my thoughts speaking to me? What is logic and reason inviting me to notice? And then opening to my heart space. What am I feeling about this? What kind of emotions are rolling through me? And then opening to the gut space. What action maybe am I being invited to? Or what is the intuitive experience that I'm having right now? So as I've worked with that practice of just opening to those different spaces within myself, I've noticed a lot of opening Mm. and growth Mm. in myself. So that's when I really like yeah, that's good. Um, I think that's well put. And, uh, you know, we've talked before about uh, the different ways in which one can utilize the Enneagram, right? As a psychological tool, a spiritual tool, or a psycho-spiritual tool. And because of its open source nature, you know, I think it can be practiced in any number of ways, right? And so if you are a person of faith, then I think it makes sense to figure out how can the Enneagram be used in order to help kind of bolster and complement your faith and the beliefs that kind of come with that faith system, which means then you don't have to engage in practices that don't fall, you know, within those categories. Right. And, but I do, I I do think it's confusing initially because you could just do a Google search on the Enneagram and it's just, you're deluged with, all sorts of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, ranging from really good and brilliant to just, quite frankly, confusing and weird, you know? So I, I think it has to be in congruence with uh, the whole of you, which includes, yeah, w- the spirituality that you hold to and faith system that you adhere to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, Enneagram work is, I mean, again, to find the ways in which we make ourselves smaller, and we lose connection to what's in front of us, to what's here and what's actually true. Yeah. And to me, there's though though there may be some some differentiation between what is spiritual work, what is enneagram work, what is psychological work. To me, they're just kind of they're all 
in the same cup. It's all trying to get, trying to see beyond our biases and our patterns and the ways we try to affect the world, control the world, so that it looks more like us instead of us mm -hmm. finding a way to adapt to the world in front of us in a way that's um, healthy and wise and mm -hmm. whole and beautiful. And to give a, a fourth answer option here, um, I just, I tried not to uh, do much prep with this because I wanted to answer in the moment, but I just looked up uh, in the dictionary practice, what does that word mean? And I like the definition that I saw. It's just, it says a systematic exercise of habitual performance for the purpose of acquiring some kind of proficiency or greater capacity. Yeah. Um, so for me, the idea with our type, I don't, I'm just looking at that first part. What is the Enneagram practice? The idea with a type is that it's what hinders us or what's get, what gets in the way of being more present. Um, because if you trust it all in neuroscience, it, it says that we're cognitive of only around 10% of our cognitive activity, which is nuts. Most yeah. of the day, we're pretty in, entranced, uh, entrenched in some level of our distorted level of thinking. You know, So this, this came to be in the process of growing up where we split off from parts of ourselves that didn't line up with getting our needs met. So enneagrammatically, to me, this would be about some form of, of transformation of con consciousness around our mental and our emotional habit uh, that, that it has to do with your type. So Enneagram practices any way that you can become more adaptive with the way that you're pri you primarily filter the world through your type bias. So it's, it's becoming present and catching yourself in the moment when you're reacting in the same exact style of your type that you always do. Yeah, um, yeah so practicing noticing, I would say. That's good. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. And next question is from Missa. I'm watching my dog eat all the leftover lunch on the table. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do anything about it. It's no, great. That dog is smart. Cheers. <laughs> Hello, gents. My name is Missa, and I have an observation backslash question for you. So, um, so much of Enneagram work seems to be really shadow driven and focused on our dark sides and the deep dark void that is the human heart and soul. My question is, um, are there resources out there? And if there are, do you guys have a favorite resource that really explore the bright side of Enneagram, i.e. the high side that lives within us all? I mean, um, it's good to know our patterns and the things that we are needing to pay attention to, but I personally really struggle with paying attention and cultivating the light, the bright, the good, and the beauty that is within me and lives within us all. So suggestions would be really, really lovely. Mm. So as the withdrawn type here. I'm going to assert myself first. And uh, the first thing that comes to mind is a Carl Jung quote. He says, how can I be substantial if I do not cast a shadow? I must have a dark side also if I am to be whole. Mm. Yo! <laughs> oh. So, there is an aspect, uh, there has to be an aspect of real growth and transformation that includes the dark side. I think you can like hang out in that world, right, Creek, a little bit too long sometimes. <laughs> One could say. <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yeah. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> but I would, I like the word, because this is kind of fun to say out loud, inextricably linked. 
the the light and the dark. They they kind of they work in tandem. They come together. And the more you sort of avoid the dark, the more your light is just casting a shadow that's going to catch up to you at some point, whether you like it or not, or it's going to be projected yeah. uh, onto people that you're turning into an enemy that really aren't. But there's they're just burying the parts of you that you don't like that you can't handle. Mm-hmm. You know, so. All that said, there is a lot of like, I would say the original content, the original presentation of the Enneagram did seem to be probably more dark side or or shadow oriented, but real deep transformation has to include that. But I, but then I will say, you know, there there's some work. I specifically thought of the positive Enneagram. There's a book called The Positive Enneagram from Susan Rhodes. Uh, yeah. that, that is an interesting uh, take on the Enneagram. What else was I thinking? Oh, I do really like Mario Sakura's work where he talks about leveraging your strategy. Right. He, he doesn't really get into engaging Adaptive it. versus maladaptive. Exactly, yeah. exactly, right. yeah. Uh, also, Russ Hudson, especially nowadays, he talks about a lot of the shadow work comes as well from the Risa Hudson stuff, you know, but Russ always teaches from when he's talking about the type, starting with the gift of the type and how when we become less and less present, we try and manufacture that in the world. And that, you know, that anytime you make an identity out of your gift, you set up a shadow because yeah. you're you're afraid of not being that thing anymore. So you have to defend it. You have to manufacture it and force it in the world. Anyway, my score, Russ Hudson, Susan Rhodes, those are what come to mind. Yeah. Uh, just to uh, add a, a little anecdote to that, I think most of the clients that I encounter are people who have come to an understanding of their type and hate it <laughs> and mm, and yeah. are are at this kind of place where they're like I don't want to be this type. And so a lot of a lot of mm-hmm. I think good enneagram work is helping people to realize hey the, the goal is not to discard your type, right? It's to mm. uh, become a healthier version, a more adaptive version, a more integrated and whole version of that type because the personality plays a key role, right? A really important role. It does provide gifts. The core desires of each type are profoundly good, right? We just go about them in some not so good ways, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I think a lot of the Enneagram resources that are out there for everyone have a lot of good content about the good. <laughs> but yeah. I think because we're trying to work on ourselves, we often gloss over those mm-hmm. to, because we right. want to fix the bad, right? Where we mm-hmm. want to kind of contend with the bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard somebody, I heard somebody, maybe it was on your podcast, actually, the one with Renee, she may have said this about Mm. how so many of our somatic experiences have to do with pain and the pain causes us to notice what's happening in our body, but we have not cultivated the ability to notice what our body's doing when we're experiencing joy. And um, I was like, okay, guilty. Mm. That is something I want to work on. And something that's kind of lighting up for me too is, I think, Drew, your book is actually a good one for this because Ooh, you, you talk yes. about uh, <laughs> belovedness so much in yeah. the book. And I think that there can be an avoidance of the shadow or you can dive right into it anchored to this idea that yeah. I'm beloved, it's going to be okay. And I think, you know, as an Enneagram too, I tend to draw a lot of strength for those dark night of the soul kind of journeys or going to those shadowy places in me from relationships with people who are reminding me of my goodness, reminding me of my belovedness. And so I don't personally think you can do 
the shadow work apart from knowing your belovedness and having relationships with people who are actively reminding you of that. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all didn't give me any space to uh, (laughs) add anything. That was amazing. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So let's just go to the next question. Hi, guys. Thank you for your program. It's one of the life-giving things of my week, and I look forward to whatever you're going to bring to the conversation that week. My question for you has to do with core motivation and desires and our awareness of them, Uh, at least awareness of them before we know our number. I um, do not know my number. I have some friends who think I'm a nine. I know that I present that way, but I'm not, I'm confused by my inner working, which is that I'm very aware that I have the choice to choose one way in a situation that might create more conflict or another way that might not. And I usually analyze it to determine whether or not it would be beneficial for me to choose one path or the other or beneficial to the group. And that's usually what drives my decision. Could you speak to this? Thank you. In regards to what came up around like the the core fear and desire aspect, I think there is um, one community of the Enneagram that teaches the Enneagram that really fixates on those for the understanding the primary way to figure out your type. And I have heard from from my own personal experience, but I've also heard from like Russ and from Nan and from a few other people that that core or basic desire or uh, fear is really difficult to actually locate. Mm. Whereas if you get into, I think it's maybe personality types from Reese and Hudson, you read about the secondary uh, basic desire, the secondary core fear, and those are actually more accessible to the mm. psyche. You're more uh, able to find those. So pulling these up real fast here, the, like the basic fear of the nine, the, the core fear of the nine is of loss and separation. Uh, but then the secondary fear of, is of losing their peace of mind. Mm. Whereas the, the, the core fear or core desire for the nine is to have inner stability. Uh, which could be two, which could be seven, which could be three, which could be anybody. You can, th- that's, you know, that's the thing here is you can behaviorally, that makes sense for anyone, any human being in the world. Uh, but the, the sure. secondary desire for the nine is to create and maintain peace and harmony in their environment. So I think the secondary fear and desires are more accessible mm-hmm. to the natural, the common uh, psyche. But I also think you have to contextualize those for your story or even I guess you could say for your maybe the center of intelligence you're in so make sense of those fears and desires based on the specific need of the center of intelligence yeah. does that make sense so mm-hmm. uh, is it from a place of of needing uh, attention and validation two threes and fours uh, autonomy how, how dare you yeah autonomy and respect <laughs> but, uh, gut types or uh, safety and security does yeah. that make sense? I think those mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. basic needs from the centers help contextualize the fears or the yeah. desires. Yeah, yeah I, mm-hmm. I think that's right. And the only thing I would add is, Christine, uh, hire Abram to do a typing session. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the thing that comes to mind for me is something Mario points to often: is it's the type is so much more about what you do than who you think you are. The strategy, you mean? Yeah, as in 
oftentimes we can really fool ourselves with playing mental gymnastics to justify the thing that we think we are or and we can find a million reasons why this isn't the thing or this is the thing right so to to be able to just when to just observe your actual actions and not trying to analyze them which which one would actually fit yeah um and that's not it's not like a surefire way but it just simplifies it a lot more because we can we can fool ourselves in so many different ways but what are you actually doing mm-hmm. might help you get closer to that answer yeah Mm-hmm. So we have a we have a question from Jordan Stevens from Instagram, and, I'm, and Jordan, I'm going to sum up these questions. We've kind of already addressed these a little bit, but basically, what Jordan is asking is introductory material and uh, practices. Basically, practices for me, I would say, yeah, meditation. I do it almost every morning. I do breath work every morning. I, I do some level of exercise or walking at least twice a day and just finding embodiment whenever whenever I can, especially when I find myself in hyper-triggered situations. That is the go-to, is take a walk, do a meditation, and like I've, I've, and, and get, get myself moving, basically, is the, is the thing that I've found to be the most helpful. And as much as I'd like to consider myself a very isolated person that doesn't need people i i'd have to admit that i do need connection (laughs) and i need support and i need people to um slap me when i need slapped and hug me when i need hugged so very basic is 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 those those two things is connection and physicality Mm -hmm. yeah and i would i would uh Echo the echo of your echo, and just say <laughs> any for me. It's this. It's really this. A lot of the same things, but anything that helps me cultivate my capacity for present awareness. So a lot of those things are, you know, my own version. I do as well. But I also, I think, um, you know, personality develops as a man- management system of our emo- emotion growing up. So I think engaging and feeling emotion helps to help us metabolize the experiences that we're having, rather than getting stuck in. Uh, and stuck in the emotion because that's when our our wonderful thinking brain kind of co-ops uh, an emotion, starts wrapping mm-hmm. narratives up and around it, and it gets it perpetuates that emotion, and we get stuck in it. You know, so f- learning to actually be able to name the emotion that we're feeling helps us very much. So uh, to yeah. continue forward, because we've said this before on the podcast, but energy in motion is emotion. So uh, the, yeah. the last thing is a gear contra which is uh, just a Ignatian spiritual practice, which means acting against. So acting against becomes familiar and comfortable for you so that you can live into more of your potential that is outside of the regular pattern yeah. way you've lived. Yeah. yeah. And I'd, I'd say uh, briefly as a three, um, I tend to be so future focused and efficiency minded that I tend to have excess energy that not everyone else needs to experience. So uh, <laughs> like Creek, I think exercising <laughs> can be a really good way to express a lot of that energy. Mm-hmm. But then also um, because I'm, you know, tend to be so future focused and kind of practically efficiency minded, uh, slowing anything that slows me down intentionally slows me down to let my heart catch up to the rest of me is really important so that then I can do what Abram just said, which is name the emotions, actually incorporate feelings, emotional intelligence into uh, my day and my world. 
All right, next question, Amy Davis. Just listened to your most recent podcast episode and I'm inspired to ask you guys if you would consider taking a dive into how our individual behavior patterns get enmeshed with another's in our relationships. To me, the Enneagram is such a great way to better understand what motivates another and opens up a pathway to finding more harmony. In being able to really meet each other's needs in healthy and beneficial ways. Isn't it curious that we think we are showing up the same way in all our relationships, and yet one of those relationships has navigational nuances that make it fluid or challenging? Just wondered what your thoughts are on this topic. Wow. Not therapist, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say when I read this question. Like, enmeshment, codependency, mm. that goes yeah. in the therapy category. <laughs> therapy but bucket. I think one of the things I've experienced uh, with my personal Enneagram work is that it's been incredible for helping me establish boundaries. Mm. And if you're finding that enmeshment is part of your relationships, boundaries need to be strongly considered. So for me as an Enneagram too, my boundaries often have to do around measuring the amount of help I can give a person or should to preserve my own energy, but also to respect what I've actually been asked to do. And so Mm. working on my boundaries, working on trusting that connection is still available to me, even if I don't overdo that instinctive need to help or to give of myself in some way, trusting that establishing boundaries is I'm still going to have my needs met has been a huge part of the work for me. So my advice to this person would begin would be to begin to ask yourself like what is what is maybe a relationship where you're experiencing this and then what is a fear that you have around that relationship and what's the story you're telling yourself that is kind of coming from that place of fear and then what boundaries do you need to put around you to protect your energy and to respect the the other person in the relationship. That's good. So what comes to mind for me is uh, there is a therapy modality called family systems theory where there's a sort of triangulation involved and everybody sort of plays a role in the, the system that you you maintain growing up. And if you change, well, then that affects me. So everybody has to mm-hmm. say playing the same role. But there's, a, there's anxiety involved when things start to shift because I know myself in relation to how this thing works. So... One of my favorite ways to look at the Enneagram is that it is helping us engage how we are in unity with ourselves or in disunity with ourselves. Because depending on how not unified with myself I am, that's the kind of stuff that I'm going to be bringing into relationships and how I'm going to try and basically, uh, what's the way to say it? Like get my, my needs met through you basically. So, so, you know, we, we tend to get in relationships uh, with our unfinished business, you could say. So whatever's le- un- left undone in childhood, we try and reconcile that through another adult relationship. Uh, I'm thinking about unity, which my favorite definition uh, from is from Richard Rohr, who says, unity is diversity maintained and protected by love. So to me, there is some level of distinguishing difference between us. There's some level of differentiation. And that includes getting to know myself. 
so that I'm not wrapping up my own stuff within mm-hmm. this relationship. Augustine said, grant me God that I might know myself, that I might know thee, because we project our own version of us onto God and create a limited version. Or uh, somebody else said, we don't see the world the way it is, we see the world the way we are. So so much of, I think, healthy relationships is entirely dependent on me knowing myself well and knowing how connected to my myself I am. I don't know if mm-hmm. any of this is making sense, but I think... S- Working with enmeshment has to do with differentiation of self. How? What's my quality of individuation? How much am I okay if you're not okay? And that is dependent on mm. me doing my own work. So I would say get as healthy as you can and kind of organically, you don't have to worry about what happens yeah. after that. Yeah. Well, I love that you brought up the family systems theory because I think that that's a great point that as you do your inner work, you're probably gonna experience upset in your relationships with people who don't know how to deal with this version of you. Mm-hmm. And it's calling mm-hmm. into question some unhealthy patterns and ways they've always engaged you. I think that's an excellent point. I'm gonna go a slightly different angle here. And I think we often we often feel pressured to be our full self to everyone and and feel that we are being dishonest if we are not being completely honest about all of who we are with everyone. Mm. Um, I think it is wise and healthy, this is boundaries again, to know who gets 5% and who gets 95. And knowing yourself is important so you know where those lines are and trusting your instincts to be like, "Mm, I'm not sure I trust this person. And I will almost almost shift myself depending on who I'm talking about. If I'm talking about Actually, this happens a lot with the Enneagram. I, I don't bring up that I know the Enneagram, that I, that I do coaching with the Enneagram because it instantly becomes the topic of conversation. So I will, I will hide that part of myself because I don't want it to happen in a group of 15 when we all are like two drinks in, right? It's just not going to be a beneficial conversation. So that's like, that's a light version of what I'm speaking of, but trying to avoid that I know anything about the Enneagram is, <laughs> is one way in which I shift who I am and what is things that are really important about myself and how I operate just because I know it's not going to be helpful in this situation. Yeah. So that, that's what I would say is, is know yourself, know where your 5% is, where your 95% is and know who gets what. And don't be ashamed of, of either of those. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I always think it's helpful to just name that boundaries are not simply a wall because I think that's a misunderstanding. Wall uh, boundaries are less at which something stops and more at which something healthy can begin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and I, Creek, I wish you would have gone before me because you basically said in one sentence everything I was trying to say in five minutes. <laughs> uh, that that uh, know yourself so you know where where the mm-hmm. line is, you know. Um, so that you you're not you know getting enmeshed with people, but that is such a hard th- thing to do, dependent on the environment you're in and the systems that you're still um, maybe trying to navigate. Because if you don't do some work with emotional regulation, you're just going to keep losing yourself over and over and over and over. So some of this I think is about working on when you are emotionally dysregulated and working with your nervous system uh, mm. when it comes to uh, you know fight or flight or fawn or you know these these different states within your nervous system so just to make it really simple like helpful breathing practices are 
pretty life-changing when you mm-hmm. begin to practice them, mm-hmm. like longer exhales. Like there's a way that you engage the, the, uh, the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest and fight, and flight, fight or flight, right? See, so just the longer exhale is what is engaging the rest and digest side of your nervous system, which helps you regulate your emotions, which can help you kind of say, no, I'm not going to get enmeshed, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm breathing more deeply yeah. now. <laughs> so this makes me think of a quote from Henry Nouwen. He says, There is a false form of honesty that suggests that nothing should remain hidden and that everything should be said, expressed, and communicated. This honesty can be very harmful, and if it does not harm, it at least makes the relationship flat, superficial, empty, and often very boring. When we try to shake off our loneliness by creating a milieu without limiting boundaries, we may become entangled in a stagnating closeness. It is our vocation to prevent the harmful exposure of our inner sanctuary, not only for our own protection, but also as a service to our fellow human beings with whom we want to enter into a creative communion. Just as words lose their power when they are not born out of silence, so openness loses its meaning when there is no ability to be closed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. So our final question is from Meredith from Instagram. And... To sum up Meredith's, Meredith's question, it's it's around the idea of basically health and unhealth. How do you know your number? Is it a different number? Or are you just unhealthy? And how do we approach these conversations when we when we see some unhealthy behavior in ourselves and with others to know where does that fit into the Enneagram? Well, I think that I I was really relieved to kind of let go of the language of healthy versus unhealthy and trade that for adaptive and maladaptive. Yes. Um, I just think that there, we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And that I think unhealthy can really get you stuck. And thinking of yourself as healthy can keep you stuck too mm-hmm. when there's more work to do. So um, I just don't find those words to be super helpful. I think that this might be a good place to maybe talk about like instinctual biases. And I know as a as a two, women can often get lumped into that two category because of our societal mm-hmm. way of, of being primary caretakers often. So I think what I hear this listener saying is that she is seeing someone who identifies as a two being maybe a little bit more comfortable in the spotlight or a little bit more vocal or even aggressive in some ways than she feels. And so if I'm understanding that correctly, I think that knowing what her dominant instinctual bias would would help her kind of understand mm. her strategy as a two better. Yeah. Just my, my initial thought when it comes to what is unhealthy versus what is just different. Abram, you I mean, we talk about this all the time of like you have a type, you are not a type and the in the several what? thousand ways <laughs> and the several thousand ways that we say that exact same thing. This is your strategy. Um, and again, obviously we are big fans of Mario Sakura over here. So in in this example, is this person a two or is this person an eight? Are you striving to feel connected? Are you striving to feel powerful? Those may come across similarly, maybe. But I feel like I feel like you can you can 
you can feel the difference just in those wordings, just in that wording. There is that two energy to me feels a lot, a bit more sticky than the bulldozer energy of an eight. So yeah, some, some twos are going to be extroverted. Some of them are going to be introverted and there's a spectrum within every number just like that. Um, so I, I think, I mean, I hate just answering it like this, but maintain curiosity at all times, curiosity and humility and see the human first period. Mm -hmm. I don't care what your Enneagram number is. I really don't like, who are you? And if we find some maladaptive behavior that you'd like to change, then sure. Let's find that Enneagram type to help us clarify and give words, give handles to your process that is in front mm -hmm. of you. Yeah. Uh, continuing that on, uh, which one of these, you know, behaviors is becoming maladaptive is I think a better question to ask rather than which one of these am I? Because that's, mm -hmm. that is the misunderstanding that you are a type, I think is kind of what's being inherently or underneath the question being asked here. But like you said, Creek, and I'll just put it in the language that I usually like to say is that a person is what contextualizes type. So everybody has their own story. Hello, season three, finishing up here. Mm. Everybody has their own story and their own version of what, how they do two-ness or nine-ness in the world because they have their own humanity. So I always say, well, conflict is going to be different for, the, for another nine than me. Peace is going to feel differently than another human ver human's experience of peace. The, a person, the human, contextualizes type. You can't just read a description in a book and say, that one's me, because th that can be done very differently for you. Um, and the other thing was, uh, you know, there, there is a, there's a good reason that two, you're wondering about 2A, right? I'm sure this person knows this, but those are connected. So, um, the thing about the lines is uh, the reason the lines work is because there is a sort of opposite contained within them that you need because you've overdone the gift of your type. It's like the rubber band stretching and I've overdone two-ness, given of myself too much. And now, well, what is the most likely thing to happen within your psyche because it has an intelligence? Well, I'm going to stand up for myself because if I keep doing that, you know, I'm going to find myself at a really bad place. So there's like there's a the natural intelligence to move towards bringing in eightness there. Uh, so how do these things work together? Is even maybe another question to ask, not just which one of these am I, but how how do these work together based on how I use them for for myself and my story? That's great. Yeah, I think it's a good question. Um, it also reminds me of the conversation we had. Oh, I don't even know what season it was about the lines of the enneagram. You know, because often, oh right, yeah, and how we in which we kind of talked about Abby Robbins's framework of vantage and refuge mm -hmm. as um, being another way. Because I think so often, you know, the lines are often characterized as uh, where you go when you're really unhealthy and where you go when you're really healthy, right? And um, and I think what that speaks to, and, and not that Meredith was getting at that specifically, but what I think what this speaks to is that it, it's often easy to categorize things as healthy and unhealthy, when in fact, I think 
I, I do think that there are uh, there's a lot of contextual factors here. Like there's certain things that are healthy in certain situations, and then they become healthy and other unhealthy in other situations, right? I think also um, when we if we use the terms vantage and refuge or adaptive and maladaptive, you know, uh, as Lindsay talked about, I think it helps us then figure out okay, what are the the rhythms that my enneagram type structure tends to exhibit, and so that I can start to see some patterns and cycles that maybe are more characteristic of my type, right? Mm. Or of, of others that seem maybe glaringly obvious to me, but uh, aren't to the other person <laughs> and vice versa because it's like a fish describing water, right? right. It, like I am so immersed in my type three structure that I have a hard time identifying the unhealthy kind of aspects of my type, right? Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? That's good. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is the more you learn about the Enneagram, the more you're able to easily articulate or more easily articulate why you do what you do and the patterns that happen. But it's 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 kind of a it's a little trippy because you can describe it and be aware of it, but it still happens. Right. So often. It still happens. It's like, yeah. Why why yeah. is this still happening? Like I don't actually want this. There anymore, I go again. It, right. Yeah. yeah. There I go again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your capacity to observe is what increases. Yeah. Yes. I would just refer the listener back to um, the episode Drew and I did, Humility and Curiosity with Type. There's some there's some good stuff in there as well. So, well, that's all the questions we have time for today. Lindsay, thanks so much for jumping on. Yes, your wisdom, you, as always, Lindsay. is appreciated. So My pleasure. Yes, thanks for having for me. For sure. Act three, would you rather... Would you rather? So we're taking a very old juvenile game and decided to Enneagramify it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And disclaimer, we do not support the uh, stereotyping that is happening in this section, but it is (laughs) fun. Please be advised. Uh, (laughs) So what we're going to do, we each came up with three... Uh, would you rather is that the other two are going to answer? Is this this is correct, right? I yeah, that's what I yes. did. <laughs> I have would you rather I have a would you rather specially designed for each of you. Yes. Oh <sighs> mine work for both of you to answer. So Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh Drew, you go first. Oh, you want me to go first? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Creek, I'm gonna start with you. <laughs> Creek, uh rumor has it you're a four, huh? <laughs> yeah. So darkness, yes. melancholy, uh-huh. pain, suffering. Mm, the good stuff. Bring it on, right? Mm-hmm. So would you rather spend the rest of your career as a greeter at Disneyland, the happiest <laughs> place on earth? <laughs> or as a Chick-fil-A cashier where you would have to smile and say my pleasure hundreds of times a day. Oh my gosh. Can, can I just can I just express the tension in my chest right now? Um, I feel torn asunder. Um, Disneyland or Chick-fil-A? Disneyland. Uh, wow. Okay. No. Um, Disneyland. Oh. Pray tell why. Absolutely. Disneyland. One, because I do have fond memories of Disney movies. 
Okay. Um, so I can get so into the magic of childhood. There's the nostalgia coming out. I mean, listen to track number one on, on the album. And it's mm-hmm. called Fairytale Minds. So, um, yes. so there's that. Then there's there are like hidden clubs, <laughs> Disneyland, <laughs> right? Unique, of course, exclusive. It, we very clubs. quickly went to the, the, the oh, bespoke, <laughs> right? Special uh, underground Disney exactly. experience. Yeah. There's some good food there. So I think I'm going to go with that rather than being stuck behind a counter in the service industry. Respect to all the service industry people. Yeah, I so much cannot. Respect. Do your job. Uh, much respect. <laughs> much respect. <laughs> My skill level is not adequate for that. I do like the idea of you donning a polo, though, and smiling and saying "My pleasure" a lot. As do I. <sighs> well, I was a polo guy for a while. Ooh. Um, pictures that will never be seen in public. I don't know. Collar think- up. I bet. You are not wrong. Even the double, <laughs> double collar. Yeah, double. Well, I never did double. <laughs> I never did double, but they were tight and they were popped. Oh boy. Yep, with the carpenter jeans, you know. Yes, <laughs> that's good. Okay, that was more than I hoped for, Creek. So thank you. Perfect, <laughs> Abram. Hi, Abram. <laughs> You're type nine. Yes. This is the word on the street. Yeah, so you love being put on the spot, right? Um, I can, <laughs> I can right work now. with it. Like right now. <laughs> I can work with it. Hey, All right. I, 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 I. So, I think I might know the answer to this, but Abram, would you rather be subjected to a televised national media press conference without any preparation? <laughs> or show up for a meeting... And unbeknownst to you, you were uh, you were showing up to be part of an improv comedy troupe, also without preparation, for a large studio audience. Yeah. Hoi. Uh, Hoi. Um, the second one has expectation to it. There, there's some some level of like this is what you're supposed to be, you funny. be funny. Yeah. yeah, the first one didn't sound like it. So nobody's expecting me something. I mean, I'm just going to do backflips and like <laughs> card tricks and stuff. Hey, this is, uh, nobody told me why I'm here. I'm going to do whatever. <laughs> That's so then funny. It's yeah. so funny. He said the the second one, there are expectations to be funny. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to choose the first one and do backflips and card <laughs> tricks. Funny in. <laughs> and be funny in that. <laughs> <laughs> Seth, what about a gear contract? Come on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, not, for, not, not for this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Can I ask one more of both of you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's say you were dropped in the middle of the woods with just a very few kind of essential tools, mm-hmm. kind of Bear grill, grill style, you know? Do you guys mm-hmm. ever watch Bear Grylls? Oh, yeah. A little for bit. Sure. Yeah. Uh, let's say you were Poser, dropped in the but... middle of the woods, Bear Grylls style. And you could only take one Enneagram type with you. <laughs> Which would you take and why? I mean, the immediate thought is a six. Hmm. Um, that feels too obvious, though. Yeah, I'm just going to stick with it. That's a good answer. Why, Creek? Why? Yeah. Uh, the resourcefulness and planning ahead and seeing the the possible pitfalls. But it would definitely have to be a, a, a six who's done some work. Otherwise, sure. I'm going to be carrying them on my back and feeding them, force feeding them things they don't want to eat, probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Abram, what about you? 
Uh, I'm back and forth between eight and five, and I'm going to choose five. Okay. Because this five happened to have read all the books on survival <laughs> in the woods. And, you know, uh, all the like the herbal medicine. Exactly. And, yeah. And what's how, edible, yeah. what's toxic. Exactly. Okay. I yep. like that. Those yep. are good answers. Hmm. Reminder, these are stereotypes. Yeah. <laughs> Please be advised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All, All right, right, those are my questions. That's great. Thanks, Drew. You're both uh, preserving, self-preserving types. Yes. So, yeah. well, maybe Creek, huh? Yeah, I definitely. Well, I still think you're gonna hit this question. It's gonna hit you. Would you rather give up air conditioning and heating for the rest of your life, or <laughs> give up the internet for the rest of your life? Oh my goodness! <sighs> Gosh. See, my initial response is, oh, internet. But then we I couldn't mean, do this. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which well, is fine. Thanks a lot, Creek. <laughs> <laughs> you see where your priorities are. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would still go. With, I'm, I'm going to go with internet. Like, oh, man. we survived for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years without internet. But this is I, just you. <laughs> <It's> not we. <laughs> it's, everyone else still gets internet, Creek. Sure. <laughs> No, I, I'm still I'm still going with internet. I, I I would love to not do internet things. Okay, so I man, I think okay, here's what I would do. I would give up heating and air conditioning in order to keep the internet, but then I would move to somewhere that was more mild or temperate where I wouldn't need it. And I still have the I I'd still have my internet because I like my internet. <laughs> I got to play Wordle, you know, stuff like that. Oh, you yeah. know, the important things. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. Those are sufficient answers. Uh, a little more stereotypical here. Would you rather go on a year-long adventure around the world with a four or a seven? <laughs> I only gave you two options. <laughs> uh, a year long. That's a long time. Uh-huh. Can I swap them out when it gets weird? <laughs> <laughs> Because it will. <laughs> I'm thinking of the sevens and the fours in my life, and I actually think I'd go with sevens. I love my fours to death. You all know that. Fours that are listening, <laughs> but we 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 can spiral in a particular direction that after a while is really exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I, I need I need that yin to my yang. Yeah. The yang to my yin. That that's a really tough one. Uh, okay, so you said sevens. I'll just be the contrarian. I'll say fours. I want the authenticity to the experience. I want. We know we definitely know how to how to squeeze a moment. Yeah, I want. Um, I mean, I want the experience that I had when we were the summer in Kentucky, where we <laughs> went to the grocery store and ended up spending like two hundred and fifty dollars for yes. one meal. <laughs> <laughs> because you got it, Will and me. I mean, it, it was just it so had to fun. be. It had to be perfection, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I want that to be. If I'm going to spend a year abroad, um, I, I want to eat well. That's true. And yeah, it, at, it wasn't just nice a places. Meal. It wasn't just a meal. It was however you say that in French. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're looking for, but you want the, could, the word for meal in French? Yes, it just makes it fancier. <laughs> that makes that's it. what I'm saying. Okay, all right, and I would actually just answer myself. I would say four because we already have. Uh, all right, last one. 
you can't have attention and validation. I'm going to start there. So oh. would you rather have autonomy and respect or safety and security? Oh, my gosh. But I can't have attention and validation? Yeah. Uh, autonomy and respect. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah, I think I'd say the same. Autonomy and respect. I wasn't sure uh, why I posed that question because I know you guys are both suppressed types. So right. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's... <sighs> I'm I'm realizing I mean this, this, there's lots of layers to this but I'm realizing yeah. how important autonomy is to mm-hmm. how I exist in the world mm-hmm. and respect is like fine that's nice trying to control what I want to do I I just don't have great emotions about that yeah mm-hmm. uh for me I'm just I'm putting myself in for these. Uh, if, if I can't have autonomy and respect, I would choose over safety and security attention and validation. That's that's mm. what I would want. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. Greg, what you got? All right. Would you rather be locked in a room with a five reciting sports statistics for six <laughs> hours or three giving you unsolicited advice on how to be more successful and efficient? <laughs> oh boy! How dare you? <laughs> Choose wisely. <laughs> because I think more of my life has been in one of these directions. <laughs> I'm gonna say five, because <laughs> I can at least track and resonate. And I'm and I'm like success, huh? huh. <laughs> Fascinating concept. <laughs> yeah. Why would we do that? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Your loss. That's yeah, all I, I know. It is. Yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I can see the appeal of the five, especially as a three, because mm. it wouldn't be about any sort of like competition, one-upsmanship, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I like sports, <laughs> so I could hang for a little while. Sure, but you true. said six hours, right? Six hours. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time. We're not talking time about sports. We're talking about statistics of yeah. sports. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. But I probably, honestly, if it was a three that I liked and respected, I'd probably rather spend six hours with a three. <laughs> trying, That's trying cool. to level up. If I'm being honest. <laughs> 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 oh, um, great. Okay. Would you rather convince an eight the world isn't out to get them or convince a four to see the bright side? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Is there a third option? No. Some part of me thinks <laughs> I could actually convince the four, but I don't know about it, the eight. And, and, you know, obviously that's based on the people in my life, not the archetype or the, sure, the fourness, sure, sure, sure. fourness or eightness. But, but I just, I'm, I'm just thinking of you, Craig. I think I feel like I can make you happy at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, you're happy. That's not what uh, I mean. maybe, okay. this is like, yeah, we're going to gang up on you here. Creek. No, it's, it's fine. I actually, I would actually Sunshine and rainbows are in your future. Creek. <laughs> I would actually, I think that it's probably easier for the four. To, to convince the four of the right side than an eight. It could be. In my experience, that has been the case. <laughs> that's that's a fun one to think about. We could talk uh, for an hour on each of these. Right. Yeah. 
Um, okay, third one. Would you rather do a podcast with a three who is too busy to respond to texts or nine who forgets he has a podcast? <laughs> wow, this just got really personal. <laughs> we don't have to answer that. I'm moving on. Uh, <laughs> God. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, we, we just... Avery yeah. and I are both mouth agape right now. <laughs> Uh, I had to. I had to. It came to my mind. I'm like, oh, and that's I? fair. Should actually, I? Yes, that's I should. totally fair. Um, I've not been good at communication lately. <laughs> I'll admit it. Well, that was that was fun and entertaining, um, and perhaps a bit uh, disrespectful, but sacrilegious. Sacrilegious. It's great. Um, <laughs> we love you all. All types. Just so all types. All of them. Um, all types special <laughs> hashtag. Um, that's, oh gosh, that's disgusting. Um, <laughs> the self-loathing in Creek tonight. <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, so anyways, thank you all for joining us on this wild and wacky journey yes. and Thanks. story of a season. Really hope you got something out of it. We really appreciate um, all the feedback that you all have given and encouragement we've received. I think we've said in the past, podcasting can be a bit a bit isolating and we we don't have immediate feedback. So it's so good to hear from you all um, to know, is this connecting? Is this doing what we're wanting it to do? Mm. What do you want us to cover? How can we be more useful? All those things. So continue sending that stuff in and we just really love you. Love you all so much. Yes, thank you. So, yeah, thanks all. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for engaging us. Just really appreciate it. Yeah, it really is an honor to put this stuff together and to bring listeners in and to share from our hearts and, and know that there are people actually that care about it and listen and respond. So, yeah. yeah, thank you so much. Awesome. Well, until next season, everyone, have a wonderful summer. Yes. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast. If you found this episode helpful in any way, consider sharing it with a friend or family member. We are so honored to be on this journey with you, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time. <laughs>